0: And as they're making their way out, and you're turning, I'd like to say a special thank you to Diane and Mark and Ginger. You see them sitting there in the booth in the back. They've got the new sound system up and running for us, and uh, I'm sure you're able. And we've also coordinated it with the the, the TV, so we're we're making progress. Uh, I'm sure that there's still a few bugs that are going to have to be worked out in it, but that's okay. We're, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their father and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. I am not a fan of bumper stickers. Uh, (laughs) I've had one in our whole life on the back of my car and I didn't put it there. Somebody else stuck it on there. Uh, It's no longer there because I sold that car. That's what happens when you put bumper stickers on. (laughs) They're not worth anything anymore. But uh, I I do sometimes appreciate the philosophy that I see on some bumper stickers. And one of them I saw once said, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. (laughs) Some of you saw that one too, didn't you? that is the attitude of many people today. I owe, I owe, so I've got to go on working. But is that all that there is to work? Is that the reason that we spend 40 plus hours of our week in a workplace? Or does God have something significant for us in the work world today? Now, I realize as I do a series on the work world or do a lesson on the work world that many of you are going to sit back and say well this doesn't apply to me I'm retired (laughs) and uh, I would suggest especially to the men in that if they say that maybe you just changed bosses (laughs) maybe somebody has a bunch of work you know that honey-do list and so forth that uh, you should be working on maybe You're not as retired as as you you think you are there. And then beyond that goes the fact that God calls many of us, whether we're in the workforce or whether we're retired, to do volunteer work. The food bank, uh, the library, uh, the church, all has jobs that that need to be done, work that has to be accomplished. And so just because you're retired, don't tune me out this morning you have a part to play in this as well. I think of, uh, when I think of work, I think of what Martin Luther said years ago. He understood the value of work. He said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. God is the author of work. In the beginning, God did what? He worked. He created the world in which we lived and he set the pattern and example for us today. And work for us is part of our life. It's part of our ministry as we walk through this life. Paul addresses the question of work from the master-slave perspective here. We need to realize that in Paul's day, slavery was a way of life. There were over six million slaves in the Roman Empire. They encompassed all walks of life. Some of them were doctors, some of them were lawyers, some of them were teachers, some of them were common laborers. But for one reason or another, they had fallen into slavery and they were working for somebody else there. now, in saying that, I, I, I realize we don't live in a slave-oriented society today. But I think it's good for us to recognize we still deal with slavery today. In some parts of the world, it's a way of life. In America, you would be amazed at how many slaves, how many people are, are in bondage and slavery today. So it's, it's a question that we, we have to grapple with and wrestle with. Do you ever wonder why Jesus... And Paul never went on an anti-slavery crusade. It was part of the economic system of the day, but uh, both of them encouraged people, if possible, to gain their freedom. But it was a means by which people could survive and, and, and they could live. But I think there's a deeper reason than that for why they didn't jump on that issue. The real purpose in Christ's coming was to free us from sin. To go to the cross and accomplish redemption for us. And so he had a redemptive purpose to fulfill. We can free all of the slaves that we want today, but if we don't reach their heart, what have we really accomplished? They, they need to be released from the bondage of sin. And so as we think about that, we want to look at some work related principles here today we going to start with, uh, I'm changing the picture here. He's doing master and slave. I'm going to say employer, employee today because that's the world in which we live. I, I don't think any of you would consider yourselves slaves. Our, our, our daughter did once. <laughs> we, we had company, and, and Ginger asked her to get something out of the kitchen, and she just had too many orders, I guess, that day. She said, if you wanted a slave, why didn't you bother naming me? Our company thought that was very amusing, (laughs) but somebody else didn't think that was so amusing. (laughs) But uh, what does God expect of employees here? Again, the context comes out of chapter 5, verse 21, where he encourages us to submit ourselves to one another there. Uh, It says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We are, it doesn't matter whether it's a husband and wife relationship, parent-children relationship, or now master-slave relationship, we are to submit to one another. Now, we're looking at in that verse at not the worth of an individual. We're looking at the role that they have to play in this life. The, a slave many times had much more value than the master. They are much more competent than the master, but... That wasn't the question. It was the role. What role do we fulfill in life? And the basic command here is to be obedient to your masters here. Uh, and again, the obvious question is why? Well, it's so that uh, in our obedience, we can reveal the character of Christ in, in that situation. Uh, the basic command has three parts to it. He says, first of all, I want you to be respectful. He uses the term fear and trembling here. And I think from the standpoint of a slave, they recognized that the master had the power of life or death over the slave. They they had absolute control. They could do what they wanted with that slave. Now, we don't have that in our work world today. We can be fired but they're not gonna take our life away from us. And uh, and yet that was a real possibility in, in Paul's day. And so what he is saying here is you treat that person, that authority figure, that employer with respect. You may not necessarily like what they are doing. You may not like the fact that you're a slave, but you still have to be respectful. Uh, and I think that's there's, important element of that for us today as well some of us are old enough that we can remember the nixon years now some of you weren't even born when nixon was on on the scene but you remember as as they were going through the impeachment process and so forth a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about president nixon whether they were deserved or not, that's not for me to say today. But he was still, during that process, president of the United States. And I, I think the sad thing is that so many, even of God's people, disrespected that office in, in the things that they said and so forth. We need to be careful what we say. It affects our testimony in the community and in those that around about us. We may not always appreciate everything that our political figures do. And we have the freedom to voice our (coughs) displeasure. That's part of being born in America and so forth. But that doesn't give us the right to do it in a disrespectful way. We have to recognize that God is the author of authority. God has created Place them in that position, and we have to recognize and respect and value that office that, that God has placed them in. We have the freedom to voice our opinion, but not the freedom to be disrespectful and disagreeable in the process, and, and we need to be careful in that, that area today. He also calls them to be sincere. The word that he uses for being sincere speaks of a singleness of heart or mind. A singleness of, of purpose in their life. In a sense, what he is saying in that is, I want you to seek the welfare of those in authority over you. That's a tough one, isn't it? Seek the welfare of those who are in authority over you. What if you don't like them? doesn't make a whole any difference. He says, seek the welfare of those in authority over you. I think of Joseph in that connection. Remember Joseph uh, sold into slavery by his brothers? taken into Potiphar's household, and uh, what did he do there? He sought the welfare of his master. I'm sure he didn't like being a slave in Potiphar's house. I'm sure if he had his choice, he'd have gone home just as quick as he could. But he didn't have that choice. And so everything that was put in his trust and his responsibility prospered. He sought the welfare of Potiphar because that was his master there. And, and then things went from bad to worse. He was put in prison. And if anybody had a reason to complain in prison, it was Joseph. I mean, he was there on false charges. He hadn't done what he was accused of and so forth. Didn't even have a fair trial. He was just placed in there. And yet he sought the welfare of the, the jailer. And eventually, the jailer put him in charge of what was going on in the prison because he was a man who could be trusted. And and he was looking out for the interests of others. Rather interesting in the communist world, uh, Christianity was persecuted, looked down on. But in many departments, when they looked for somebody to serve as treasurer, they looked for a child of God. They recognized here as somebody. That's going to be honest here. Here is somebody that's going to be sincere. Here is somebody that's going to do the, the job that, that they're supposed to do. Uh, and I think we need to recognize that when we're out in the work world, we are there to serve not just the master, but the true master, Jesus Christ. He is the one that that we ultimately are working for. And we have the opportunity in the workplace to be either a thermostat or a thermometer. A thermometer simply measures the temperature in the room. We have, up there behind Mark and Diane, I think there's a thermostat there. uh, The thermostat is different than a thermometer. The thermostat controls the temperature of the room. So you can set that thing, And if the heater's working, it's going to work, or the air conditioner, or or, or whatever. It controls the environment. And you and I have that privilege in the work world. We can reflect what everybody else is doing. We can complain about how bad the working conditions are, or or how terrible the boss is, or or whatever. Or we can realize we're there to serve Jesus Christ, and, and we can be the one who changes the attitude of the office or the workplace or or whatever it may be. We are to be sincere. And our workplace, I believe, should be a better place because we are there than if we were suddenly taken out of that. We, We have that responsibility as a child of God. And then we are to be conscientious here. Note, he says, we are to serve not with eye service, not just when the boss is watching. We are to serve... Sincerely, because we are serving not the boss we're serving jesus christ and so we are to be conscientious in our work and in what we do i remember as a young person about 12 years of age i got my first job cutting lawns and i slowly built up a business that way and then my when i reached 11th grade my older brother was going away, he's going to camp as a counselor for the summer and then going away to college in the fall. So he asked, would you take over my jobs? And I welcomed that opportunity. I was trying to get enough money together to go to college, so uh, his jobs were all-day jobs. Mine were just an hour or two here and there. And the one job that I, the first one that I started was with a lady and her husband, they had two children. One was my age, the other was quite a bit younger than I was. But uh, the, the very week that I went to learn what the job involved, working with my brother for a day or two so that I could take over from the next week, the man died and she was left a widow. And she asked if I would stay on and take care of the place and I, I was happy to do that. Worked through the summer and into the fall. And then the winter came and work stopped for a while. And then spring came and I started working again. And, and one day she called me into the house. She said, when you're done the work for the day, stop by the house. I have to talk to you about something. And she said, when I got to the house, you know, you, you hate those kind of things. All day you wonder, what in the world is she going to talk about? Am I doing something wrong? Uh, uh, am I going to lose my job? What, what's going on here? Well, when I got into the house... She said, you know that I lost my husband a year ago. And she said, it's been a tough year for myself and the kids. And so we're going to take off as soon as school is done. We're going to take off and we're going to travel all summer long. We're going to go across the states. Uh, they, they had plans. This was from Pennsylvania. They were going to go clear out to the Oregon coast and see a lot of the national parks along the way and so forth. And she said, I don't know how long we're going to be gone. I don't we don't have any schedule, but somebody needs to take care of the house while we're gone in the place. So she said, if if you'll come every day, look after the dog and the cat and and make sure that nothing's been disturbed in the house. She said, I'll pay you a dollar a day. Now, back in the 60s, that was pretty good money (laughs) for just a few minutes of work. I I thought, this is great. And then she said, "I, I also want you to continue the lawn work, keep up the house, keep up the the yard and so forth, and it, 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 that was, took at least a day or two a, a week to keep things up there. And she said, we, I can pay you periodically or wh- I can settle up when, when I come back, whichever you choose. And I said, well, settle up when you come back, that, that's fine, it's just going into the bank anyhow. But you know, the day came for her to leave, and suddenly that house was no longer hers, it was mine. And I worked probably twice as hard keeping that up as if she had been there. Because it was not just keeping the property up, it was my reputation that was at stake. And, and uh, it, it became my place for, for the summer. And you know, when you're working for somebody like that, she said, if we get tired, we'll come home. Was she gonna come home in a month or was it gonna be two months or, or three months? How, how long, I had no idea. And so I decided at the very beginning I was not going to be caught unawares. I was going to be faithful in the work that she had me to do. We are called to be conscientious, to do our best. Why? Because he said, this is God's will for you. God has placed you in that workforce. God has placed you in that particular job. You are there not to serve somebody else. You're there to serve Jesus Christ. Years ago, I remember Dr. Mitchell from Multnomah School of the Bible speaking at a, a conference that we had up in Canada. And he, he shared how a man had come to his office recently and said, Pastor, I want you to pray that I find a different job. And Dr. Mitchell looked at him and said, Well, what's what's the matter with the job you, that you have? Doesn't it pay enough? Don't you enjoy the work? He said, Oh, there's there's nothing wrong with the job. He said, There's just no other Christians where I work. And he said, I'd like to be somewhere where I have fellowship with some other Christians. And Dr. Mitchell looked at him and he said, I'm going to pray that God keeps you right there. That's your mission field. That's that's why God has placed you there. You are to be the one who carries the character of Christ into that workplace. I, I remember as we were getting ready to go to the mission field back in 1970 we were speaking at a missions conference in 4th Memorial in Spokane uh, they, we were not from that church but uh, Ginger had been attending raised in a village missions church and 4th and Memorial would only support missionaries that came up out of their, their church context when the pastor heard that we were from a village missions church he said well we support village missions so you're one of us and they took on some of our support at that time. and uh, But as we were there in the Bible study, a man was teaching the Bible study. And he said, he, when I came to Christ, I thought I'd have to change jobs. He was a used car salesman. And used car salesmen didn't have the best reputation in that day and age. I don't know what their reputation is anymore. But um, he said, I, I really prayed about that, what, what am I going to do? And he said, God spoke to me and said, how many used car salesmen do you know that are Christians? And he thought about that for a while and he, he said, well, I don't know of a single one that's a Christian. And the Lord said, don't you think I could use one? And he stayed in that job and, and became an honest salesman there and, and God used him to touch others. I'm not suggesting when I say that, that we use our time on the job to preach or even to witness. We witness by our life and, and by our character there. Now, God may eventually on a, on a break or lunchtime or so forth give us the opportunity to, to say a word for Christ. But we are to live out the principles of God's word on the job so that others looking at us would get a glimpse of Jesus Christ. We have that responsibility to demonstrate the character of Christ to those around us. With that in mind, what does God expect of employers? Verse nine sums it up. And yet when you look at this, you look at four verses to those that are in the work world, to the employers, or I mean the employees. Now only one verse to the employer. That doesn't seem quite fair, does it? I mean, here he's taken four four verses to to tell us what we have to do if we're in the work world, and only one verse to tell us what to do if we're the authority or the boss. And and, uh, before we jump to that conclusion, let's take a look at what he says to the boss here. Notice he starts out in in verse 9. He says, if you have the King James Version, it says, masters... Likewise, or likewise, masters. That word likewise literally can be translated. Masters, you do the same things. And so he takes the principles that he used to encourage those who were working to apply to the ones who were in charge as well. They were to be just as the worker was to be respectful of the master, the master had to be respectful of the worker. That's what it means to be, to to do the, the same thing there. Just as he encouraged the, the workers to be sincere and conscientious, so he was encouraging the masters to do the very same thing, to look after the interests of those that were working under them. Being the boss Does not give you the right to be rude, to be domineering, to be obnoxious. You have the responsibility, just as that worker had the responsibility, you have the responsibility of being an example of Jesus Christ to those who are under your authority. And remember, Christ came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And so that is your responsibility if you are in a position of authority today. Too often in the work world, the bottom line is the almighty dollar. And we treat people in a negative way because we want to get more and more of this world's goods. That can be a problem in the church as well. I remember years ago, I never made the salary a condition on whether I accepted a call to the church or not. I always, we always prayed about it together and and asked if the Lord of this is where you want us to serve. Many times I would go without even knowing what uh, I was going to be paid. And that's what happened there when we went to South Dakota. And I still remember the first week we were there, we were had a joint board meeting, two churches. I was pastoring two churches. They met together and they were going to set my salary. And they talked about it and they debated it for a while. and And finally, one of the younger men he was a little bit more outspoken than the the older ones and he said well he said pastor what we're trying to do here is determine what is the least we can get by paying you <laughs> 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 that, that kind of put it in perspective <laughs> that, that, that told us what we were were facing there and i i thought you know that's not biblical that that's not uh, and i i realized why they were doing that but uh Timothy, Paul and Ray and Timothy said those that teach and preach should be worthy of double honor there. I, I think of a church back in Ohio. Our son-in-law worked there for a time and then developed some problems with the senior pastor. Uh, he was difficult to work with. He had gone through several secretaries, gone through different <laughs> staff members, and the board was wondering Why? And so they were visiting with him, and he said, well, you know, he said, I have 200 people sitting out there every week that I have to be nice to. I don't have to be nice to my workers. I'm paying their salary. I thought, what a tragedy. He missed the whole idea of servant leadership. He missed the whole idea of the character of Christ. Christ came not to be ministered to but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so he's saying to us today, if you're in a position of authority, you have the responsibility of demonstrating the character of Christ, of ministering to those individuals that God has brought into your life. You say, well, that's not financially feasible. I think it is. I, I think as as we recognize the worth of the individual and we meet their needs They will meet your needs as well. It works both ways. And we need to be careful in that area. So he says, you do likewise. And then the second command that he has for employers here is, do not threaten. Don't seek to control those that are working for you through the element of fear. Fear just escalates the situation. It escalates the problem. Paul reminds them here. And I like what he says there in verse 9, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. What is he saying in that phrase? He is saying the ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. You are in that position and so is the one working for you in that position because that's where the master, the true master, the Lord, has placed you. And you have to give an account. You have to answer to the Lord for the way in which you use the responsibilities that God has entrusted to you. He is Lord. We all serve under his authority. Whether we're in charge or whether we're working for the one in charge doesn't make any difference. We are all called to serve Jesus Christ. He set the example for us. As he, he wrote to the elders in First Peter chapter 3, we're not to lord it over somebody else. We're to be an example of Jesus Christ if we are in a position of responsibility and authority. That applies in the work world. That applies in the home. That applies with parents and children. Each of us have a role to fulfill. We are in that role because that's what God has chosen for us. Each of us has the responsibility to glorify God through our life and our service. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, what role has God given to us in the work world? And are we using that as an opportunity to demonstrate the character of Christ to others? Years ago, I cut a clipping out of the daily bread. It's about a, a territory in South Africa where the government came in and dug irrigation ditches for the people. It it was a good farming area, rich lands that could be farmed. The the Christian Zulus on the one side of the river began to produce lush crops and, and abundant harvest. The animists who lived on the other side lived in abject poverty, had the same opportunities. They just didn't do anything about it. And the reason why was they found out was because the christians believed they were responsible before god to work hard and live soberly the pagan neighbors on the other hand viewed work as a woman's responsibility while the men were there to spend their time arguing and drinking uh, it was very obvious that the the difference in the in the two areas we saw the same thing when we were in israel we came down the the jordan river and on the israel side of the jordan river it was beautiful all kinds of gardens uh, uh, fruit orchards uh, uh, abundance being harvested there just across the river was jordan and uh, those hills were as barren as can be same soil same opportunities that just nobody had bothered to farm it and the the, the difference there was that the israelis Invited the Jordanians to come over to learn the practices that they had used and discovered, so that they could be prosper, they could prosper as well. And, and today, some of that has changed because many of those same principles have been adopted by their, their neighbors there. But God has placed us in the work world to be creative, to to glorify His name, to bring honor to Him. I like the way Paul put it in writing to Timothy or to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, he's dealing again with the master-slave concept there. You come down to verse 9. It says, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? You you, you ever argue with your boss? You you ever think you know better than he does? It doesn't do you much good, but uh, it can can be fun to argue. Uh, But he goes on to say, not pilfering, But showing all good faith that you, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. What is he saying in that? God has placed you in that work world, in that work situation, so you can adorn the doctrine of God. What does that mean? It means we are placed there so that those around about us, those that we work for, those that we work with will get a glimpse of Jesus Christ through us. That's adorning the doctrine of God. Letting the world see the difference that Christ can make in, in a person's life. Your job, your opportunity is not to go into that work world just because I owe, I owe, so off to work, I go. Your responsibility is not just to go into that job so that you can buy more and more things. It's to be a living demonstration of Jesus Christ in that work world so that others can get a glimpse of Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't make any difference whether you're the boss or whether you're the worker. It doesn't matter whether you're at home retired. You still have the responsibility of adorning the doctrine of God, of showing the character of Christ in in that situation. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a volunteer position. Again, in the midst of that volunteer situation, are you revealing the character of Jesus Christ? And I think it, it relates to the church as well. I was working on this last night, so it, it's not perfected here. And I'm not going to charge you extra for this. <laughs> this. is just something I thought of last night. But I went back to Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 19, where he says, Don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. And I wonder how much of our time is invested in laying up treasures on earth. And yet, do we ever stop to think we're here to lay up treasures in heaven? We're here to adorn the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We're here to be an example to others of the difference that Christ can make in our lives. And and when I think of especially the church There's a lot of areas that things need to be done. Do we apply the same diligence where we're not getting a paycheck to where we're getting a paycheck? Do do, do we recognize that in serving Christ in that way, that we have the responsibility to adorn the doctrine of Christ, to be faithful in doing the things that he asks us to do, the the jobs that he has? Do, Do we look at that as an opportunity to store up treasures in Heaven, or do we just think well i 'll do it when it 's convenient i'll, I'll do i 'll let it slip if it 's not convenient are, are we just as conscientious of serving Jesus Christ as we are of serving for the dollar? Good question for us to wrestle with I said that's extra i'm not going to charge you for it this morning, but wrestle with that this week uh, as you think of what he 's saying here, do we work in such a way that somebody looking at us gets a glimpse of God. Are we finishing what we start? You know, when I go back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You know what? He stuck to that task until he said, it's finished. I've completed it. And everything he had created was good. If we commit ourselves To some area of ministry? Do we keep it, recognizing we're responsible to carry through on that? What about our priorities? Is it serving Jesus Christ or is it serving the almighty dollar? What what are we there for? Are are we faithful in our service? It boils down to the question, can others see the character of Christ in us today? As we go, uh, and let's face it, the work world takes 40 plus hours a week. And some of you are probably saying, well, boy, that wouldn't be great if it was just 40 hours. But you got your travel time, you you got your overtime, and and on and on it goes. uh, A tremendous block of time in which we have the responsibility of living out in a practical way the character of Jesus Christ so that others can see a glimpse of the Master in us. Shall we pray? Father, We thank you today for who you are, for what you are doing in our hearts and lives. We thank you, Father, for the value and the meaning of work. Father, I I realize if we're not careful, we like to do our share of complaining about it. And yet, where would we be without the joy of being able to work, the joy of being able to do something creative. You you created us to be creative. And so we thank you for that today. And Father, we thank you for the places of employment you've given to us, whether it's home, whether it's on the job, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the library or the food bank or 101 different places. Lord, we recognize as the Lord of the harvest, you've placed us there so that somebody can get a glimpse through us of Jesus Christ. Help us to be an example of you this week in the work world in which you place us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With that in mind, we're going to sing I Will Serve Thee.